0: Welcome everybody, welcome to the 8 News Show. My name's Andrew Hughes, I'm your host for today and we this today marks the beginning of a very special series that we're producing um, with people who have been injured by the jab. Today I'm co-hosted with Dr Mark Lofts, retired Dr Mark Lofts. Thank you Andrew. Welcome, Mark. Now, Mark, you have a background in immunology as well as being a GP for a short while.
1: Uh, I was a GP for a short while, but when I uh, graduated in Sydney University, I didn't really know what I wanted to do in medicine, but I did want to get into immunology. But I'd had a lot of problems trying to find jobs. And when I finally did get into immunology here in Western Australia... I was horrified to find the level of corruption and manipulation in the department and
0: it put me off immunology for life. Which is going to bring a very unique perspective to our discussion today and for everyone listening uh, Mark is going to co-host this series with me which I'm very excited about because it obviously bring a unique perspective that I know that I personally can't bring. Now we're joined today with a lady by the name of Renee and Renee has had a a very serious adverse reaction to the jab. Um, Welcome Renee.
2: Thank you very much Andrew.
0: Okay so we're going to kick this off and get right into your story. Let's begin at the beginning. Um, What exactly occurred that brought you to the point where you felt like you had to take the jab?
2: So the company that I was working for, um, they kind of went along with the mandates that were enforced by um, Mark McGowan and they asked us um, to join in on uh, a few sessions um, where we could get information about the so-called vaccines and how they work and how safe they are. Um, It was called uh, Ask the Expert Um, and we could ask questions and um, hear about the statistics of their effectiveness um, and all about how they work, the mRNA technology and Mm. all the rest of that. So we had that long session um, and I, I did do my research but I researched the wrong information. I was researching the Pfizer data and I wasn't looking outside of what the government was promoting so i um i left it to the last minute in terms of the timing of getting the the shot the, the shot and i waited and i i left it as long as i could basically because i wanted to see how it would play out for other other people mm. um and if there would be any reactions and because I felt that it was rolled out very hastily and without a lot of um, caution and that made me uh, sceptical overall.
0: Mm. I've got to ask you, the first question straight up is, who was the expert, the person (laughs) that did the presentation to you, were they actually a doctor or were they just literally a representative?
2: Um, It was a lady that specialised in... um, infectious disease, diseases um, overseas. So she she came on and she had a lot of information but I feel that the answers that were given now that I, I know the truth about some of the real science were um, incorrect and misleading.
0: So she was a doctor, did you say? I,
2: I believe so. But, but you don't know? They didn't delve into um, much about her background but... it. The topics covered were about a couple of hours, yeah.
0: Right. It does sound a little bit funny, doesn't it, Mark? Yes. Right. So, <coughs> Renee, you've, you've done your own research, but you've researched the, the, the propaganda is essentially what you're saying. So th- that convinced you in the end that it was the right thing to do or did you go into this feeling very sceptical?
2: No, it didn't convince me. I was still skeptical, and and I thought, well, if I don't do it, how am I going to um, support my girls? How am I going to support my mortgage? How am I going to work everything out? And how is that going to, you know, happen? So, um, nobody else in in my group had had any reaction. So I went and had my first dose on the twenty fifth of October, and that turned out to be um, unremarkable. And I thought, oh, okay. Um, you know, maybe it's not that bad. And then I went and I had my, my second and I spaced it out to a month instead of the three weeks and I mm-hmm. had that on the 22nd of November and, and that dose was completely different outcome.
0: Straight away or did it take a few hours for you to notice? Well, I mean, tell, let's run through it. What, what happened?
2: So I had the appointment at 10 o'clock and I could actually um, walk to the place. Um, so I went in there and... Um I had I they said they asked me if I had any reaction to the first one and I said no. So I had that that second dose and then I went to um sit in the in the where they monitor you in that in that room. and um within about five minutes because I was watching my my phone, um they said, wait here for 15 minutes and within about five minutes I felt my pulse um, started to race really fast. And that didn't happen with the first dose so I put up my hand and because uh, there's there's nurses there and they came over and they checked my pulse and they said, yeah, it's really fast, you need to come out the back. So I went out the back and laid down and they monitored me for about 10 minutes um, and they said, you should be fine but just still wait around for a little bit longer. So I did that and it seemed to calm down and then I went back to work.
0: Was there any a question that I've thought of? When I spoke to you originally, was was there something that occurred to kick your pulse into a higher rate, or were you just you're, you're fairly relaxed and you're just sitting there in the waiting room, right, waiting room, knowing that the first reaction, the first shot had no effect on you, and so you're just quite calm, but then. There was a, clearly an effect, that, or something started going on. Is that is that the way it played out, or was there something in the back of your mind? Or I just want to understand.
2: Yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't anxious. I was glad that it was finished, and I felt relieved. So I wasn't thinking about it. I was right. I was just watching the time as to when I needed to leave to go back because I wanted to get out of there.
0: So it was all just part of the process. You yeah. just wanted to get it done. Yeah. Yep. Get yeah, going.
2: it wasn't anything to do with my state of emotion at the time. It mm. was it just happened, and it, it caught me by surprise because I didn't, you know, expect it after having nothing happen from the first one.
0: And of course, it's a very common story now, Mark, isn't it? That's
1: right. I had it with a friend whose um, sister was. Uh, Jeb, she was 74 in uh, Iran. She had no problem with the first shot, but but with the next shot, she rang my friend in Perth and started using religious language, which she didn't normally use, and my friend suddenly felt very shocked, and two days later, her sister in Iran was dead.
0: Wow. I've heard quite a few stories from that part of the world, Mm. but of course we've got so many here as well. So the, the nurse has got you to lay down... Out the back, and they monitored you closely. What happened next?
2: Um, so when they'd cleared me and my pulse returned to normal, they um they just said you should be fine, so just you can just leave after you've stayed here a little bit longer in the waiting room. So I, I waited till I didn't have that racing heart and then I went back to work. And then the rest of the day, um, I just felt a bit tired, um, nothing really out of the ordinary and then I came home that night and that's when everything started to um, appear.
0: So what later in the evening after a few hours seven o'clock sort of at night and things started looking a bit funny or was it during sleep hours or?
2: No it was about six o'clock I started to feel kind of like when you get on a a merry-go-round and you come off and you've got that dizziness and that disorientation.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's vertigo, right? Yeah, vertigo. Yeah, yeah. and that I've heard this off a lot from a lot of people as well.
2: Yeah, I felt um, almost like I, I was going to faint, but also very unstable on my feet um, and very, very exhausted. Like I can't even describe it, like I could hardly walk sort of thing. And then I started to get um, this, a headache that was really tight across the, my forehead. And it kind of just snowballed from there. So I, I kind of went to bed and then I woke up about three o'clock in the morning and I felt like I wanted to be sick. And then after that, yeah.
0: Were you were still were happening. you still experiencing the vertigo symptoms? Not when I, I was time. laying
2: down, no. But right. when I woke up the next morning, I still had that, um, I don't know, it's, Kind of a surreal feeling. Uh, it, it's a combination of a whole heap of things that started to happen that made me feel really quite frightened because I didn't know what was happening to me, and I didn't really have control over it.
0: And so, just thinking about it, this is approximately when, when you started to feel this coming on at six p.m. at night. This is around eight hours after you've had the initial, the the second shot. Is it about right? Yep, about eight that's hours. Right. Yep. And then it just progressively snowballed over the, the, the next eight hours yep. to the next morning and you've ended up what, – what happened next?
2: So in the morning uh, when I got up, um, as I said, I felt nauseous before about three o'clock and then I, the headache got worse. It, it became like a cluster headache right at the front um, and then I felt some numbness in my feet – then also my the tops of my legs started to feel really heavy, like almost like lead, like a lead, like the weight of them felt heavy, and it felt like I couldn't feel the sensation in the tops of my legs properly. And then I started to get, um, probably about seven o'clock, I started to get um, a real tight, uncomfortable feeling in the center of my chest. And then I thought, well, this this is just getting worse and worse, and I was starting to feel really. Uncomfortable with the way things were playing out, so um, my friend knew that I had had the dab the day before, and she happened to text me to ask if I was okay. And I said, "I I don't feel okay." But I checked with the um, the GP because I didn't want to like I didn't want to overreact to something. But they said, "No, you need to go to hospital straight away and get someone to drive you."
0: God. And there it begins. Mm. So now you're at hospital. Yep. And when you arrived and and, and you were uh, checked in, is it admitted, what, what happened there?
2: So there was um, a pretty empty waiting room when I got there. It was towards lunchtime. And uh, I explained my symptoms to them. I rang them up actually before I came in. I said, well, will you treat me? um if I come in because I've had a reaction to the Pfizer vaccine and she said yeah sure no problem like like it was common yeah the way it was received
0: (laughs) oh we've heard this before yeah common
2: knowledge so crazy yeah so um I came in and got scenes two straight away and there was a man actually (laughs) just behind me with the same symptoms he was due to fly back um, he was five, he was due to fly back to work the next day, and he was panicking. He said, I'm too scared to get on that plane. I want you to fix me because I'm not getting on the plane. I don't know if I'll we'll make it. And that was it simultaneously with my admission. And I got um, taken into ED straight away. And the, the doctor in there, um, I explained my symptoms to her, and she looked quite concerned as soon as I explained everything that was happening. Because by that time my legs were worse and then I was I was feeling a lot worse in myself, like just the the compounding effect of all the things that were happening was making me more alarmed. And um she she looked a bit panicked in her face, but she started to hook me up to the ECG, um, and then the heart tests how fast my heart was going and the blood pressure monitor and all the rest of that. And she said, look, Renee, your body's just having a, a normal reaction to this vaccine. She said, um, I, 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 it's a very strong immune response you're having. Um, I get worried when people don't have a response because then they're more likely to get COVID and you don't want to get COVID.
0: Mark, you've got to kick in there. I can well, see so the look me. on your face. That, I'm not a trained physician, mate, but that sounds extremely unusual to Th- me.
1: That's right. You don't expect to have a reaction like that if this were to be a good vaccine. This indicates that something is wrong. You didn't have a cold, you didn't have flu, you've been given the vaccine and now you've got numbness in the legs, you've got chest pain and a headache. This indicates to me that you're having a severe reaction to the vaccine and it's not evidence that the vaccine is working I'm very shocked that a nurse would tell you that. That means not because she's being malicious on her own right, but she's been instructed to say that by nefarious people up above.
0: And, of course, it's just a continuation of the Orwellian language that we hear all the time. It's a doublespeak where you're being told, Renee, that it's a completely normal reaction. That's right. And it's actually a completely abnormal reaction.
2: Well, I actually thought that that I'd misheard her because my friend was sitting next to me and I I said, because the the doctor walked away to to get something and I said to Jo, "Um, did did I actually hear the word normal or abnormal? And she said, no, no, she actually said normal. Mm. And I said, wow. Um, And then I questioned the doctor when she came back and I said, "Um, if this is normal, then why isn't anyone else that I know of in this same predicament that I am in now. And she said, well, that's, everyone has a different response to these mm. vaccines.
1: So every response is normal. I presume if you'd fallen down dead in the spot, that would be normal as well.
0: Well, when you're dealing with a completely experimental situation right. that um, the Pfizer scientists themselves admit in their own documentation that they really have no idea... Uh, what the true nature of the side effects was they they indicated that there are a great deal number of side effects That's but right. um hundreds no no way to expect what the kind of reaction will be in different different people That's right. um very scary very very scary so renee continue on what what um happened when you asked the doctor about it being a normal reaction what did he say to you or she
2: yeah, she she just said um everybody reacts different but your yours is very strong and that's a good indication that you should be safe from covid um because covid's not not good it's really nasty you don't you just don't want to get it and she just kept reiterating how how bad covid is um and then she said well we need to do a few more tests and she did a blood test um and then she came back later and she said well actually you've got a, um, a clot in your lungs and I didn't expect her to say that and, and she looked me straight in the face and, and, and I looked at her and I must have looked horrified because I just started to cry and I said, well, w- what does that mean? And she, and she said, well, we need to um, – your D-dimers are really high and that's not a good indication. We, we think you have a clot but we need to verify that with a CAT scan and, and that's the other thing. Um, I, they went through in great detail when I got um, put in, in ED about all my allergies to other drugs, So such as um, pseudoephedrine and the other things that I have reactions to. They went painstaking detail and wrote all that down. Um, but then they go and say that my, my reaction is normal and that this drug, she actually said to me, well, when you have the booster... Just take Nurofen and Panadol next time because the next time you have this this um, vaccine, your reaction will be worse than this. And I said, "Well, what does worse look like?" Mm. And she said, "Well, that's just the way it is." <laughs>
0: Gee. I and mean, she, she's I,
2: obviously seen it before,
0: Renee. I'm almost speechless. I mean, this just sounds straight out to me as being one of the most criminal things that a doctor could say like, the way they're behaving. Is. Mm. So bef- while you're having this reaction many months before any mandated booster, they're already starting to talk to you about taking the booster.
2: Mm-hmm. Like That's a frightening. Expectation.
1: That's right. Yeah. They knew it was coming. They, they tend to push it onto you. Despite the fact you've had a pulmonary embolus, a blood clot in the lung, that's what I presume they found, and they should be examining your legs to see if you've got a blood clot there, and it's giving which, you what's called a hypercoagulable tendency, and many people who have that, who get blood clots, have uh, congenital conditions, things that are hereditary, like factor V laden, which are very subtle. I believe I have it myself, because my father had... Um, <coughs> Uh, blood clot issues, and that may be the case with you. It's often subclinical. And, and this that's, disease.
0: that's indicated. Coming back to Renee saying that she had uh, her, her the tops of her legs felt very that's heavy right. and stuff yes. like that. Now. Mm. Let me ask you a question about the, D, the D-dimer thing. Now, can you explain that? I know that when you've had an issue with your heart, the D-dimer levels go right up, but what are D-dimer levels? Uh, the, Very simply. yeah.
1: You know, the D-dimer is an uh, uh, indication that you've got hypercoagulability, that your blood is starting to coagulate, but what happens is your blood tries to counteract that by breaking up the blood clots, and when the blood clots break up, they produce the D-dimers. So is it an enzyme? The is that what uh, it's just a remains of, uh, I think it's the fibrinogen, when it when the forms a fibrin and that starts to break up with the um, fibrinase. I can't remember the name of the enzyme that breaks it up. It creates the D-dimers. And
0: how is that detected? Is that from a blood test? Uh, yes, done straight from a blood test. Right, so, Renee, during this period, they're taking samples of your blood and things like that, obviously.
2: Yeah, so I had I had the blood test and that's how she came back and determined that she she believed that I had the the clot in my lungs, and then the first thing she said was it's not because of the vaccine it's got nothing to do with the vaccine, <laughs> and my friend jumped up and she said well that's rather presumptuous isn't it and yeah. she and and the doctor just got very defensive and said well um it's nothing to do with, with that you must have had it before um and and then my friend questioned her about um the uh, APRA um, surveillance of them and she just shut her down and said, "Um, I'm not here to discuss that. I'm here to look after my patient. So I suggest you stop talking.
0: The doctor said that to your friend? yes. Well, isn't that just a marvellous way to take control back of the situation? That's right.
1: I mean, well, she obviously has heard about AHPRA, AHPRA, Australian Health Professionals Regulatory Authority, shutting people down and dismissing and deregistering doctors who speak against it. So the doctors are frightened, but they shouldn't be turning their fright into attacks on a patient who really needs some proper therapy.
0: I mean, they shouldn't be lying to the patient. That's right.
1: S- because they're lying to the patient because they are firstly lying to themselves yes. in this difficult situation. That's it's, the real
0: problem. It's deeply distressing. Um, okay, so, Renee, you, is there any more to this part of the story before we move on? Um, what What happened when you finally got to to the next stage of this?
2: Um, so I, after I had the CAT scan, she said um, the inflammatory response in my body was quite significant and she could actually see the injection site, like the inflammation around where the, the injection had gone in. She could wow. tell me that because I didn't tell her where it was. Whoa. And she said, um, and then when I'd come back from the CAT scan, I started to get jaw pain in, in the right of my jaw. And I said to her, what's going on now? Like, this is new. And, and and then she looked, her eyes went wide, and she said, have you got any is- history of um, cardiac arrest in your family or heart- any heart conditions in your family? She says, I need to know right now. I said, well, I do. Um, I do have that. And, and, she, and she says, I need to know as much as you can tell me. And I, I said, well, I, I just know that my grandparents have died from heart attacks quite young. And then then she just looked more panicked. Um, and she says well we need to keep you in and monitor you but she said my health insurance (laughs) that's the the other thing my health insurance didn't cover heart so she said well we can keep you in but we can't monitor your heart because you're going to end up with a massive bill so oh
0: my god
1: it's really disgusting it's totally different to the traditional now they're
0: um, denying you service um, service critical service God help
2: us. They said, we can look after you in the monitoring other things, but we can't do your heart.
1: That was a public hospital, was it? Private it, hospital. Oh, a private one.
0: Well, I don't know about the audience, but right now I'm, I'm actually feeling very outraged. Getting like America. Chill. This is what
1: America does when they, they won't treat a patient at a private hospital and they'll send them on to say to Cook County Hospital like they do in Chicago. It's a dreadful mess. I
0: mean, this is the complete opposite of all the values we as Australians have always held. Hmm so okay now you're staying in the hospital overnight now from from something that was a very normal reaction you know everything was completely normal but now you're potentially going to have a heart attack and you're going to need to stay in hospital overnight
2: yeah so by that stage I was feeling not only confused but quite scared of the care that I was supposed to be getting that I wasn't getting and nothing that they said made sense to me in, in from any perspective and I'm not a, a doctor by any means but just from a logical sense none of it made none of it made any sense to me so I felt really vulnerable as well because I was hooked up to a drip and they were coming in and monitoring me and I didn't feel like I had um I didn't feel like I could safely speak about what I was really thinking or question them properly because I didn't know what they were going to do. I just didn't feel safe there, but I also didn't feel safe enough to go home. So I felt trapped in a sense of those, you know, the circumstances.
0: But you know what, this is, this is another thing that I just reject, is the notion that, I mean, Renee, I've met you a couple of times, I'm sitting here with you right now, and I can tell you that, the, that I'm not seeing some simpleton. Um, you're, uh, you know, a mature thinking person you're you're not a dummy none of that and what i reject this notion that just because you're not a doctor that you have no understanding of what's right or wrong which we're always being told you don't know about these things you have to listen to the expert well i'm sorry i don't take that approach what do you think mark I think
1: it's absolutely disgusting. You're a mother who's working, you have two children, and for the doctors and nurses to treat you like that is absolutely beyond the pale. I know the doctors have to deal with patients who are recurring, who are drunks and who have... uh Addiction, and you do get very a bit sick of them. But it's a yeah. t- that's right. It's a totally different situation, and they shouldn't be treating members of the public, including yourself, like that. I mean, a threat on you made by the doctors and nurses like that means that everybody is under threat, except, of course, the very rich, the politicians who are uh, decreeing these uh, toxic jabs. This is very, very serious.
0: Right. So you stayed overnight.
2: I stayed overnight and uh, I was on the drip and then I I just kept feeling worse and worse. I was feeling pretty bad but I didn't feel like any of them took what I was feeling uh, seriously and when they had the change uh, of shift for each nurse and the nurses were quite young, they would come in and they would introduce me to the other nurse and they would say, "Oh, this this is Renee, Um, she's just had a bit of dizziness from the Pfizer vaccine but she's fine and she'll be going home soon. And those were the the words that each nurse used. It was those particular, that particular statement. and i I would just remember feeling like, am I I felt like Alice in Wonderland kind of thing at a mad had a tea party. I felt mm. like what is going on and why is this happening?
0: Which brings us to the issue of the code word language that's being used in hospitals. I've heard, as I was saying before we began tonight, um, I've heard this same story from quite a few people that have suffered from adverse reactions, that they're these funny code words, like everything's sweet and wonderful, nothing to see here, everything's going to be okay in the morning, see you later. Mm-hmm. Yep, so I was in there for two nights and um, the
2: on the... To the second morning that i was there uh they asked a specialist to come in and see me and he brought three doctors with him and they all were looking official with their clipboards and they did the reflex tests on me um and he asked me what had happened and i explained it all and he said what well, sounds like you've had some sort of neurologi- neurological reaction to this to this vaccine um but you've checked out fine um next time just take moderna just take Moderna because obviously Pfizer didn't work out, you know, so and I, and I said to him, Well, why why would I take another mRNA vaccine? And why would I take any vaccine? And he said, Well, that's just what the booster, you need to try this one out because that's the other option.
0: Yeah, again with the there's no, other, there's no other option mm. other than to take an extreme, extremely experimental drug that hasn't undergone any of the proper testing. That's
1: right, and the fact they're trying to push you onto another type, this Moderna, which has actually got a altered version of the spike protein, it doesn't have the uh, mRNA. But the fact they're trying to get you to mix the different types of jabs only makes the problem more difficult because it could end up damaging your immune system more. Yeah, and then you, I'm you, surprised you, you the li- doctor would say that.
0: Yeah, and of course then they're limiting their ability to track down the issue.
1: That's right, and they're comp- complicating the factors uh, incredibly because. What you need to do in the future is to get a sub uh, subpopulation to see whether people who've had Moderna then Pfizer or people who've had Pfizer then Moderna yeah. get worse
0: reactions. They're paying Russian roulette with, people. with people's lives. And, and how did you feel, Renee? What was your reaction to the, being told this?
2: Again, I was just questioning, like, why would I do something that's just damaged me so much? Why would I take another... Risk um, of this proportion and based on what you were saying I should do and not think about the actual implications of what could really happen. It didn't make sense. It and doesn't. I s- and I didn't said to him I would like a report of everything that I've had in here, all the test results, um, the discharge summary, a, a report from you, please, before I leave. I want everything. I want to take everything with me.
0: What was the reaction?
2: Yep, no no problem at all. You can, We can do that. Um, you can leave when you're when you feel free. Um, to, that you you can you can be discharged because you're fine. And I said, well, I don't feel fine. I'd like to stay another night. And he said, okay, that you can do that. We'll keep you in another night. And I said, well, uh, so I can get all the reports when I leave. And he said, yeah, we'll, we'll organise that for you.
0: Okay. Now they've told you that you've had an adverse reaction to the. Jab, even though it was a completely normal adverse reaction. Uh, double speak once again, but now they're saying that you're fine to go home. How can you trust what they're saying to you right now? In the, at this point in the story, you were obviously questioning.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't trust it at all, but I was scared to be off the machines in case something happened to me, and I didn't know what to do, and I didn't want to go back another hospital and get the same treatment so Mm. i thought i'll just stay in one more night and then i'll um, leave so i stayed in two nights and then i left the following day and when i went to leave that report wasn't ready and it wasn't there
0: and did you ever get the report
2: so what happened after i got out is i i saw my gp and i asked him to request the information because they wouldn't give it to me directly, even after though they being told discharged. you they would. Yeah, yep. so that that never happened. Um, and he wrote a letter asking for that, and I rang the medical records department asking for that to happen, and they said no problem. Um, there's there's 15 pages. We'll send it. I said I want everything, every test, everything that you have. Um, and the specialist hadn't done the discharge report, so I had to then go and phone the specialist reception and asked for that to happen Um, and that I think there was there was about three emails and four phone calls and a letter from my doctor and five weeks later I finally got all the information
0: oh my god now how uh, Mark with the specialist who's doing the report how could they possibly write that report accurately five weeks later that's right. If the specialist hasn't
1: recorded something on a device when he's been dealing with you, it is it is always a possibility that he could mix it up with other patients he has. If he's seeing another person who's had, a, say, a Pfizer reaction at another hospital, another young woman, he can get confused after well, that. Well, I
0: think it's safe to assume that he may have... Quite possibly, this may have happened. That's right, unfortunately,
1: because the standards of medicine have gone down. It wasn't like this
0: when I worked at Fremantle Hospital back in 1980. Yeah. Let's go back a couple of steps. There's a question I've got for you, Mark. What did you think when Renee said that um, the next morning there were three doctors that came in to examine? I think they That's were.
1: I think they were getting worried. They had a junior doctor. They had someone who was a neurologist to examine you, and perhaps a third person with all the clipboards. Perhaps he was someone from the administration thinking that this is a woman who could cause trouble for us. She's a, a young woman. She's got children. We just don't want people like this with all these vaccine problems. So we need
0: we need we need three opinions to to figure mm. out how to proceed. Utterly disgusting. Okay, Renee, so did you check out of the hospital? You stayed the ne- the extra day, but did any other th- events occur during that la- that third day?
2: No, so I, I went in on the 23rd and then I got released on the 25th. Um, then I went straight home and eventually when I got the report, um, because I mentioned, I found out when I was in hospital that there was, um, in, there was a vaccine claims scheme that the government had rolled out and I thought, oh, that's interesting. There's obviously enough people affected mm. by it to warrant that uh, rollout. Mm. Um, and I thought, well, I want the evidence for myself anyway. Um, but when I had it all, the specialist actually wrote down, um, and this is the words that he said, he said, it's likely that Renee had a neurological reaction to the second dose of the Pfizer vaccine unlikely that she will have developed pericarditis, thromboembolic event or demyelinating event, such as Guillain-Barré syndrome. Guillain-Barré. Yeah. Uh,
1: Guillain-Barré syndrome is a recognised side effect of vaccines. Yes. Long, Long been recognised. Yes,
0: worldwide recognised, yes.
2: And then he also stated her symptoms had fully improved after 24 hours of close observation. And this was completely untrue.
0: That that is completely untrue. Yep. Now, were there – was there – now, I know that he said that you've had a neurological reaction, but was that the only reference to you having an adverse reaction or were there other references to you having an adverse reaction or was it kind of covered up in the reporting?
2: He acknowledged that my D-dimer levels were very high um, um, and all the tests that had been done, I received the results for those. Um, But that was, in essence, what he wrote um, at the end of it to summarise it. But uh, after 15 days, I came down with uh, laryngitis and then I got a bacterial chest infection and I had to go back to the GP twice because that wasn't resolving. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to add that before this event of having the injury, I had been completely healthy and had not had any as so much as a cold for eighteen months prior. Yep. Even when my kids were coming home with the gastro viruses, I was unaffected. Um, and after I had this injury, I had have had nothing but illness after illness.
0: Mm. Well, of course, we know now that um, each shot lowers your immune system. Progressively, so it has a, a compounding effect. Yeah, so it's cumulative. When you cumulative. inject people
1: with sor- the sorbitol and with aluminium, etc., you can't get rid of it out of the body, so it just builds up with each shot. Oh
0: my god!
2: The the other thing that I did is when I came out, I started to question a lot of the things that I'd been told because I was ruminating about what had happened, mm. and uh, I did some research of my own, and I had the batch numbers from when um, I'd after I had the vaccine, they send you an email to say what your batch numbers are. So I started looking up. There's a site you can go on called HowBadIsMyBatch.com.
0: Mm, I've heard about this.
2: Um, so I went on that site and I looked up my first batch number, and it didn't turn up as any any level of toxicity because this particular site is re- um, linked up to Vez, the Vez vaccine yes. in and America VERS events. Um, reporting system, hmm. but also uh, Australia and other countries link into that into that through yep. our own reporting system. So it has outside of the USA data as well. Yeah, um, and actually, Dr. Robert Malone uh, was involved with this, and there's a a, a man called Craig Carter Cooper who had, is is also involved with statistics, but he's a ph- like I think he's got a pharmaceutical background, but and uh, Professor Mike y- Yidden the Pfizer scientists, team. so it's very credible, um, and they discovered there's certain there's a variance in the toxicity with different batches. Yes. Okay. So when I looked up my first batch number, that turned that didn't show. When I looked up my second batch number, which was FHO60, that turned out to be one of the five thousand most toxic batches <sighs> that Pfizer have released.
0: Oh, my God. So they already knew this. This was already on record. But instead of having those batch numbers uh, disposed of, they're being administered here in Australia.
1: Yeah, the test is still ongoing. We're all chumps and they intend us to be lab rats Of course, they have to get the statistics somehow by having us
0: die and be injured by these. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. René, you're quite tall. Can you just... Um, tilt your mic up a little bit that that's right that'll be i think that'll be a lot better so go on renee what, what what was the next part about this
2: so from that particular batch and i understand that these statistics are highly underreported as well um including those um where people report them to the tga and wa sorry in australia it's it's well known fact that the um the reporting of adverse reactions is significantly low because either people don't know about it or they're too scared to report it or they're too sick or the doctors don't want to report it. There's all Mm. sorts of reasons, but they're significantly underreported. But from my particular batch, there has been two deaths, seven disabilities, (sighs) three life-threatening illnesses and 36 adverse reactions just from my batch. Renee,
0: this is important, I think, just for the audience... Can you just repeat the batch number there? Now you you, you found out this off howgoodismybatch.com, or what's how good
2: is my batch dot com?
0: how bad is my How bad is my For the audience, I'm going to put that in the description of this show. So, and I'm just writing this now. Now, what was the number, Renee? The batch number that you had?
2: F for Fred, H yeah. for Harry, 0160. And if you look it up, it's Pfizer outside of the USA.
0: I'm utterly shocked. I think that... Now, have you made any inquiries, Renee, as to whether those batch numbers are still being administered here in Australia?
2: No, I, I don't know. I, I, the, the reason I started to look into this is because I couldn't understand in my own mind how some people were walking out of the clinics un, relatively unaffected, which was the large proportion of people that I knew, um, and then some like some were having heart attacks, others were uh, suffering severe illnesses and 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 the the reactions were so varied and that didn't make sense to me. Mm. I just naively thought that all these vaccines had the same toxicity of whatever chemicals were in them. I didn't realize that they varied so vastly. So when I found that out, it it reconciled with my, with what I'd experienced, and it, it gave me some sense of um, understanding more than I had before.
0: Now, Mark, on that point, and jump in, Renee, if you've got any information on this, but uh, I've followed some of this issue, the issues around the variances in the batches, um, not extensively, but I've checked it out. Uh, there are all these stories of batches coming into countries and it might be labelled you know do not refrigerate and then others are must be refrigerated at a certain temperature and then there's might be others that are you know special can you, that's very very strange that's right it's it's
1: totally different to normal vaccine procedure normally they want to keep them very cold till they bring them out for use mm. but they've done a whole lot of strange things this time the uh, Paper that's included with it, the instructions, yep. that read about, uh, yep. Some uh, of them tell you about side effects. Some of them are just a blank page yes, with nothing on them. I've, seen I've never seen things like that before. The standard that's been used in producing these things is absolutely abominable. And I, I, I mean, think for I, anyone yeah.
0: that's interested, uh, I can't remember, I can't tell you the exact name of this lady, but there was a, lady, a pharmacist in America who started putting videos out about this and literally pulling out an entire box and going, now let me show you this, and started to open it, and just showing you the, the, the blank inserts.
2: I've seen that. It, I think it was inserts. Moderna. That was for Moderna, but I think it's the same for all of them.
1: How criminal is that? That's right. I mean, it's unspeakable. I mean, they're just jabbing people with poor quality muck they've made in a laboratory. I mean, this I is mean, a-
0: Renee, once again, you've just utterly shocked me, and I mean, I've spoken to you a few times now, but to know that you're able to look that batch number up and to see some reporting on there that, that include deaths. And yet, after all of this, I mean, Mark, can you name a t- point in time where you've seen any discussion in mainstream media from the so-called experts or authorities about batches to avoid?
1: I've seen nothing at all on that in the mainstream media. You have to go to BitChute, Rumble or Telegram to
0: find about that. Utterly, utterly shocking.
2: And the other thing is, is I know this data's alive because I checked it um, back in December and then I've checked it again this morning and, and it, it just increases.
0: So what I'd really like to know right now is um, what hospitals here in Perth are still administering these bad batches? I, I'll, I'll guarantee you there's going to be some.
1: That's right. See, they've just delivered various supplies and they don't really take any notice of them and they just dish them
0: out without thinking. It probably still being I mean, dished out this now. This is leaving me breathless. It really is. Um, okay, so let's let's move on to the next point, Renee. Um, what what happened next?
2: So after I came out of hospital, I, I started experiencing heart pal- palpitations, and I would um, my my heart rate would sort of jump all over the place. And I used to be quite a fit person and exercise quite regularly, and even just like going from standing from from sitting, uh, my my pulse will jump, and it's still like that to this day. So um, this is
0: straight after you got out of hospital, mm-hmm. but since then you've been getting sick regularly, and when you don't normally get sick, so
2: that's right. And now
0: has the the issues with your heart rate continued to this day?
2: It has continued, um, and to to make matters worse, um, I actually got COVID in in March in early March because one of my children came back from school with it and I pretty much caught it off her the same day she got it but um, that got worse because I was already sick and when I had that it just uh, floored me and I ended up nearly getting pneumonia so what I had was I got bronchitis and then and I was dreading going back to any hospital because I knew what I would be faced with, but I, I had to go because I didn't know how to fix it myself. Um, So I went back into a different hospital this time. It was a public one. And they did a <laughs> They asked me if I was vaccinated at the door and I said, I am, but I said, if I wasn't, would that make any difference? Would you still treat me? And they said, well, you'd just wear a shield instead, but we would still treat you.
0: Well, they treat you very differently. Anyway, we know that for a fact now, to the point where you even get a label mm. um, stuck on your shirt, or is it a label that goes around your wrist that indicates that you're an unvaxed?
2: That's right. I think you get you get a pretty big identity in the hospital. So
0: major discrimination mm. in the. To right. Uh, In the hospital itself.
1: They're favouring people who are injured because they've been injured by the jabs, whereas people who are unvaccinated don't get the severe flu, as you're describing at the moment with the COVID. Well,
0: look, it's no secret, I haven't been jabbed and I got COVID. And I'll tell you what, it was no worse, really. I've had worse hangovers. It was like a hangover, actually. The one thing that was really bad, though, was I had extreme back pain. But guess what? Two Panadols every four hours, she was beautiful, no problem at all. I mean, I could still feel it, but it wasn't an issue. Yep. And, uh, well, I'm 50 years old. I mean, if I was double jabbed, uh, maybe I would have had a heart attack because that's, uh, that's what happens these days. But, oh, that's normal. Yeah. That's very normal.
2: That's right. Mm-hmm. So the reason I went into hospital is because I started getting stabbing pains in my chest um, and they felt really... Oh, this
0: is back when you first...
2: No, no, this is when I got COVID.
0: Oh, so you went to hospital a second time. Yep, of course you did. Yes. Yeah. So
2: when I got COVID, I was really, really sick and I could hardly get out of bed. And I started getting sharp stabbing pains in my chest. And I thought, this is really not good. Mm. Um, and then I had wheezing and I had like stuff in my chest and I was coughing up stuff. And I was like, I can't fix this by myself. And so I forced myself to go back to hospital. Um, and then I, I went in and they straight away did a PCR test. And at that time, I didn't know I had COVID. I thought I had. And because I'd been doing um, saliva rat tests and mm. it wasn't showing any mm. positive. Results, mm. Mm. but I had a suspicion that it was because I was so ill. So I went in there and they did the the PCR test and they said straight away you've got COVID. Um, and there, there was all this panic. Um, uh, you know what this means? You've got COVID. You're going to have to um, wear this mask now. And they they put this orange, really tight mask on my face and I couldn't breathe properly as it was. And they said you have to wear it. You have to put it on. We'll put you in a wheelchair will take you to the um, part of the hospital where no one else is, which was the children's ward. And there was police around um, and they cleared the whole aisle and they said, we've got a COVID patient coming through and that was signified by my orange mask. Oh, my God. And then I got wheeled down the aisle like I had leprosy or something and the police were all staring at me and they kept moving away. <sighs> and then I went into a ward with one nurse in there by myself, isolated. Um
0: And of course, you were already having trouble breathing, Mm. and then they've put this thing on you that makes it even more difficult to breathe.
2: Yeah.
0: Were you starting to feel a bit panicky at this stage?
2: I was because I didn't know what they were going to do to me in there, but I also needed that. I also realised because I'd had pneumonia. I haven't had pneumonia about six years ago, and I realised that if I didn't get on top of this, I could end up with that and then I would even get more sicker. So I realised I I needed to do something but I still felt really, really unsafe.
0: And of course, let's go back a few steps. We know for a fact that the PCR test was never meant to diagnose the antibodies of something that that could be in the system – whether it's active or not active. That's right. It's, a, it's just a very general test. The PCR doesn't prove
1: that you have COVID. About all it can indicate is you have some sort of infection. COVID is merely a type of flu, but they have not released a complete viral sequence of
0: the COVID virus. Thus, I almost doubt that it even exists. And, of course, the, you might be able to help me here, the inventor of the PCR test. That's right, Kerry Mullis. Famously died at the very beginning of this whole thing. That's right. Very he was seventy-four, b- but it was under funny circumstances. That's a right. few questions around his death, but he was very vocal about the fact that you should not use this test for diagnosis. For diagnosis, mm. really shocking. It is
2: so. So when I was in there, they bought out. Um, they bought out an injection to give me for um, to stop. It was a steroid or something injection to stop the inflammation. And, mm. and he he checked me out and he said, are you, are you vaccinated? I said, yes. Oh, that's great. Um, that's really good. He and he said, um, you've got bronchitis because they did an x-ray. He said, you've got chronic bronchitis. We need to give you some um, Ventolin and, and another puffer in here. We'll mm-hmm. keep you in while you, you we get you under control. Um, but then the nurse came towards me with this injection and I just I just panicked because I obviously had that association with mm. what had happened with the COVID, mm. the Pfizer injection, and I wouldn't let her knee me and I was just crying and she's like, oh, my God, what's happened to you?
0: Well, and what was she trying to inject you with? Did you find out?
2: Yeah, I said, what is that? I said, I need to know what it is. I need you to show me what it is. And she showed me and she said, it's anti-inflammatory um, so she said, I'm. Which I'm, you can
0: still take as a pill. Y-
2: well, she, she said, it's safe. I, I'm not giving you a COVID injection. Mm. So S- so she administered the. Yeah, injection. she gave me that and, and it helped me. But I was, I'm just so skeptical of. Yeah, you were frightened. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I was. Really I would be too. I was like, I don't want you come near me with that thing. And she, had, she spent a good 20 minutes trying to explain to me what it was and I made her prove it to me um, before she put it in me. So after that um, I was given um, some instructions of what to take and it was it was a Ventolin puffer and another puffer and I had to take between the two. It was 80 doses a day of these two um, to help me oh. with the bronchitis. And that okay. was over a two-week period.
0: And, and Ventolin's like the, the thing that you take to immediately re- no. relieve the...
1: That's right. It, it, it relaxes the uh, muscles that are in your bronchial tube so that yep. you can breathe better. And the other thing they gave is probably Atrovent, which is an atropine-like agent which does the same sort
0: of thing. Which is more of a preventative, right? Uh, is, it, it also acts as a
1: bit of a preventive, but basically it tries to open up your earways, both right. of them. There. But there should also be an antibiotic. They want to prevent a secondary infection if she hasn't got it already.
0: And did they give you an antibody? I biotic? had
2: um, steroid tablets to take as well. So the other one was a white puffer, it was eye That's
1: the one yes, the one yeah. we're talking about actually. Yes, right. One.
2: Um, Yeah, so – and then when I got discharged, I thought, well, that's a lot of puffs to take and I I felt uncertain about – I was like 80 puffs a day for two weeks. That's a lot. Yeah. So I rang the hospital back and I said, can I just get confirmation that this is what I'm meant to be taking? And they said, "Uh, sorry, we don't have time to explain it to you. What? I'm like, well, how am I going to know if this is right? They said, we don't have time right now. Um, You'll need to go back to your GP. So – then I rang up the chemist and I said this is what I've been told to take is this is this sound right to you? And he said, well, it, it's better than not being able to breathe at all, so just do what they say.
0: My god, now Mark, I don't know anything about what I'm about to say, so you correct me please, but I've heard of situations where people are using these puffer things and they've used them in the wrong combination and the wrong dosages, mm. and it can have extremely detrimental effects on that's you. That's
1: right, especially when you have a tendency to get half fast heart rate as you did. Just speak
0: to your mind, mate. So that's incredible that they're telling Renee to, to take 80 doses what a day, That's right. say? Uh, yeah. And but then they, they do don't like have... Ventolin. It'll, it'll make your heart rate increase if you have a... I was about to bring that up as well, because mm-hmm. I, I, when I was a child I used to use Ventolin. Um that's astonishing that in that situation they just pushed you off there and said, oh, we, we can't answer your question.
2: Mm, they just said they don't have time, they're, they're too, too busy. But it was 48 puffs a day, Ventolin and 32 of the other one. Gee.
1: But I have to admit that, yes, the hospitals are overworked, the public hospitals. the well, uh, 10 to 20% of the staff refused to get the jab because they knew well, it was and dangerous. And stuff, yeah. now they've jabbed all the people with these jabs and they're pouring into hospital terribly sick. Mm. And so what the what they told you there was the right thing. They're so overworked. They haven't mm, got the time right. to yeah. tell otherwise very sensible, good
0: patients what that's they need right, to do. That's right. And um, so the government is... Created this issue on so many levels. That's right. It's an utter disaster, and they're killing people.
1: That's right. It's become a genocide factory.
0: These jabs are killing people off. Well, actually, have you ever heard the term democide? Yes, democide, killing of the people. Yeah, death by government is Mm. what democide means. Mm. It's the highest. uh, It's the the most common way to die in the world. Mm. Is the 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 last time I saw statistics about that. Death by a government. Oh. government. And you know what? You'll never see that discussed on mainstream media. You <laughs> do, right? <laughs> right, Renee. So now, um, have you been diagnosed properly yet?
2: So after I had uh, the COVID incident and then I was still really sick for a long time, um, I started to take vitamins like vitamin D3. Vitamin zinc, um, vitamin C, and different different protocols to what you know the the medicines that the pharmaceuticals are promoting. Yep. And I started to get a little bit better, but I still had this um, racing heart issue, and it was really uncomfortable. So I went back to a, a changed GP's. I went to a different one, and I found one that was. Um, had integrity, and she helped me uh, get a referral to a cardiologist. And then I had um, a halter monitor fitted for 24 hours, then I had a baseline echo done, and then I had a stress echo done, and I actually uh, failed the stress echo because I couldn't walk on a treadmill for more than one minute and 35 (sighs) seconds. I couldn't walk and sustain that without not being able to breathe properly. And the irony in all of this is when I went to go on the treadmill, even though I'd had COVID, I was double vaccinated, I questioned and I said, can I not wear the mask when I'm doing this exercise? And they said, you need to wear the mask. It'll help get your heart rate to the 85% that we need it to be faster.
0: Oh, of course. Just put your life in more risk.
2: So I wore the mask and I didn't last more than a minute and 35 and I only made it to 78% of my heart rate before I I said I can't do it anymore. And it turned out to be inconclusive because I couldn't last out the test.
0: You know, Mark, in the 1800s, it's known that doctors were basically just, they didn't really know what was going on and they were trying all sorts. All that seemed to work, so we'll try that again. Yeah, Have we gone... Has our healthcare system devolved? Uh, Yes, it has.
1: It's devolved severely. It's worse now than it was in the early 1800s. Oh, I would agree. We're bringing back things that were discredited a long time ago. You knew that this whole thing was fake when they were pushing swabs into the noses of people beyond the nostrils. Yes, because that is extremely damaging. You can break the cribriform plate, give the people a it's very painful leak of CSF. That's right. You've seen screaming babies with it, and can give people meningitis and kill. They're encouraging the people who do that to assault others and it's basically a, a death sentence
0: to do it, that it to is. People. It's, it's- it's, it's physical assault on so many levels. Medical
1: criminality. I mean, all the doctors should have gone out on mass strike against it because if they had gone out, they'd have taken the nurses and the other staff with them and uh, would have put the government on notice. And the nurses, and, doc- and nurses especially, have a lot of friends with the police. They could have brought down the whole government this way if they stand up for their the rights. just listening the
0: things that Renee is telling me, it, it, it sounds like these people have absolutely no idea what they're doing and they're doing it willingly.
1: That's right. That They've been bullied and bluffed and the medical students won't get a job unless they follow this line and the doctors will lose their admission rights at the hospital if they don't follow the line. They're all being threatened and the basic reason for them being easy to threaten is because they have mortgages to pay, they have children to care for and they always think the easiest thing is just to knuckle down and get the jab because they're jabbing the doctors themselves at the hospitals. That's the really horrible Horrible thing. Even though they know it's fake, they're allowing themselves to get the jab.
0: And of course, the thing that I I, I always bring up because I just can't get my mind past it is that now that um, the golden rule in medicine of informed consent mm. is no longer your right; it's your obligation now. That's very frightening. Mm. So, Renee, where, where are we at? What's the next part of the story? Y- your doctor, your cardo- the cardiologist, mm-hmm. has have they given you some more conclusive results on where you're at now?
2: Oh, this is the interesting thing because I'm quite um, open in discussing my injuries with people when I meet them because I want people to understand yeah. the gravity of the decisions that are being made when they go and... You know, get these things. Mm. So I was when I had my baseline echo. I was speaking to the the person that does the the actual echo, and um, I said, uh, out of interest, how how many people are you getting in that have these sorts of um, investigations needed because of the vaccine injuries? And he said, it is constant. That's most of the business now, and it's is just. He said, and he started to ask me questions, and then I started to you know, let him know what had happened with me. So he was um, intrigued because he'd obviously seen many other people come through the doors. But as soon as you start talking about it to um, certain medical profession- professionals, they shut down and you can actually see their faces and they immediately on the defence. Like, they don't want you talking about it. They don't want you in the room. They want you out of that room as fast as they can get you out.
0: Um, that's called – that's it's human psychology for I know I've done the wrong thing. That's right. They're terrified. They just want you out of the place. They don't want to be reminded of their medical that's malfeasance. Right. That's right. Well known in psychology – you, you get angry and defensive when you know you've been caught out. Yeah. Shocking. So have you been diagnosed with any particular issue or there's just many issues? Where?
2: So with those results that I had, I had a teleconsult with the um, cardiologist and he said, um, and he hadn't even seen me in person by that stage, but he, he had seen all my test results and he said... Uh, I I believe you have uh, pericarditis and it was actually uh, my GP thought it was ischemia and not pericarditis so that came as a little bit of a surprise to me because I didn't actually know that that's what it could have been and he said it's a known issue with with the Pfizer vaccine he said it's very common he said people can get it from a virus he said you'll you'll be recovered in no time just take six norepinephrine a day for two weeks He said, but it's really a common thing. Um, You don't have anything to worry about. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, So I don't need to change any part of my lifestyle. He says, no, there's no need to do that.
0: Now, again, Mark, I'm not a doctor, but I know that
1: that's false. Uh, Pericarditis is very variable. Sometimes it will recover like that. What you're thinking of there is myocarditis, actual muscle inflammation.
0: But but, but what I mean is it's not extremely common and normal. No,
1: not not in not in uh, younger people, but it does occur. You have uh, Bornholm yeah. syndrome, you do have pericarditis, which mm-hmm. can be associated with infections, but this is associated with so many other previous conditions like the bronchitis and the uh, pulmonary vessel blood clotting, which makes me think there's something much more severe going on and it's not an ordinary pericarditis right, so by the, any
0: means. For, so in, in is it fair to say that the, all the things that have happened with Renee, has caused the pericarditis? Uh, yes,
1: no doubt. And very likely a combination of things. You get the jab and then you get a uh, an ordinary flu, as you said, you got it from your daughter. It was just normally what happened in the community but then you start to get these severe side effects like pericarditis. The pericardium is a sac that surrounds the heart and basically inside the sac is just a lubricating fluid so it helps the heart to beat better and it's like the pleura you have in, uh, the, in the lung, it just helps you to
0: breathe, and the lung moves under your ribs without getting stuck. Right, right. Okay, so, Renee, um, where to from here? What, what does life look like for you moving forward?
2: So, I've still got the palpitation issue, so I'm going back to get a second opinion from a different cardiologist next Tuesday um because the one that I had actually wouldn't write down that it was the COVID vaccine he just put vaccine and when I questioned him about it he said that will be enough and he actually wouldn't take my calls and neither would his receptionist to just change to add one word to the letter to put um COVID or even Pfizer vaccine he just said vaccine which means it's very generic and it is ambiguous, in my opinion. That's, that's
1: criminal. That's right. The cardiologist, you give a clear history, and the cardiologist sort of written that history down. You had two doses of the Pfizer COVID vaccine. He should have written that in his history,
0: and he should have, of course,
1: provided it for you. In his and report. and that's
0: not mentioned, is it, Renee, in your reporting?
2: In the first letter, he said COVID vaccination. In the second letter, when I went back to question him, because he wrote down that it, it looked like my story appeared to be pericarditis. So what he was saying to me and what he was putting in the letter, the letter was more ambiguous. Mm. And when I went back and and asked his receptionist to add um, the truth, which Mm. is the COVID vaccine or Pfizer, Cominati, whatever the brand is called, um, she said that shouldn't be a problem. Um, But it never happened. And when I kept ringing back, I would just never get a call back. So very I ended lovely. up calling the, the actual cardiologist and he was very irate when I spoke to him. That's got to be fraudulent. Mm-hmm.
1: That's, that's right. He, he's clearly been bullied as to not to write down COVID. He must be... The only reason he'd be irate with you is because uh, HIPRA, the Health Professional Regulatory Authority is having a go at him. Cardiologists shouldn't normally abuse a patient like that. Now, so yeah. Renee, I've got
0: to ask you, and we won't go into details mm. if, you, if the answer's sort of what I think it is, but... Have you sought legal advice on all this?
2: I'm actually part of a class action with a, a group called Matoux Lawyers um, over okay. East. Yes, I joined that in December um, because I saw they were um, starting to collate data on people that had Vax injuries, and I joined mm-hmm. that a while ago. And I've since updated because the injuries have been, you know, not only sustained, but I've had this pericarditis come out after the fact when I when I lodged my first um, report with them. I just did the, the updated one to include pericarditis um, a couple of nights ago. So I'm part of that class um, action mm-hmm. and I also um, lodged the, I need to lodge the compensation for pericarditis because for Pfizer, the WA, um, th- the government compensation scheme only covers myocarditis, pericarditis and anaphylaxis as those three conditions. I oh, know, yes. It doesn't cover what I had in hospital so now with the letter, my GP wrote the letter to confirm it was pericarditis because I wasn't getting any uh, traction mm. with the cardiologist. So now I have that. That's another avenue I can explore. Oh, so
0: the GP did get the information for you in the end?
2: Yes. She she wrote down the, the truth because um, he just refused to do it. And he said, I don't have time. I'm not going to update the letter um, even though he'd been speaking to me and arguing me with, with me about it for 15 minutes already mm-hmm. and it would have taken him his receptionist like Let's 30 t- seconds yeah, 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 yeah. to He's update w- the letter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but he just got really irate and very patronising. Really? Very patronising. He kept talking down to me on the phone um, and saying, what's that I forgot to do with it? I don't have to update the letter. I know what it's about and if anyone has a problem with it, they can call me.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, we'll have to talk about this after we get off air, but yes. uh, I want to yeah. speak to that guy. Yeah. Okay, so, Renee, moving on, um, what are your thoughts about the jabs on children that we were told for quite a long time in the media had no possibility of injury or death from COVID? That's children. Right. Yep. But now we have. Children's jab clinics to get free entry into the zoo. We can get our children jabbed in the park while we're running around having a good time with the family. We can have the kids jabbed when they're at school. We can get ice creams and our face painted if we get the jab. How how does that make you feel? Also knowing that um, we're administering batches that are known to be bad.
2: Mm. So now I know what I know, and thanks for asking this question because it's something I'm really um, passionate about. What The effect that this has had on my life has been quite significant in terms of my mortality. I've never questioned that before. I've never had to worry about my heart or is it reliable? I've never had to think those things. Mm. I, I'm, to this day, I've got a smartwatch because I'm too scared to run. I don't run.
0: So you're monitoring your heart yeah, rate I've, all the I've time.
2: Yeah, I've got this and it, it goes up to 182 beats a minute oh. on any given day by itself when I'm not stressing, I'm not even at rest.
0: But can you feel that you're, when, when that's the watch is showing that, can mm-hmm. you feel it? Two. So yes, you start feeling this. You look at your watch, and it's one hundred and eighty. One
2: hundred and eighty-two is the highest it's been. It That's very
0: high, isn't it? It's very high. Yes, almost the
1: level of paroxysmal tachycardias, which can reach two hundred or more. But people certainly know when they have that. But it sounds like yours is just an ordinary sinus tachycardia. I don't know what the, uh, cardi- the what the um, electrocardiograms and things show, but it sounds like that. But it might be something else. As you said, you have to see another cardiologist That's to get. Right. Sp- specialized testing.
2: Yeah right. so it's made me very feel very uncertain in general about my future. Um, so I, I also um, started researching all the, the side effects, the impacts on long-term health etc because what the other thing that people might not realize is even though they might not have an immediate reaction to these vaccines there's nothing to say that that something um, insidious won't happen down the track. There's nothing to say that two, four, six months, two years, five years, who knows? Because no one knows. They're experimental. We are the experiment.
0: That's right. And there's already lots of data to show that there are ongoing effects. Uh, How that turns out for each individual, we we don't know. That's
1: right. Everyone is an experiment and people respond differently to different vaccines because you don't know everyone's genetics. And even if you do, often the reactions are unpredictable anyway.
0: And then when we go and have these outrageous mandates where essentially what they're saying is that every good, living, healthy, working person must be jabbed, or That's now right. we've extended it to mm. the children as well. well. Where's the control group, Mark? Well, there isn't a
1: control group. Basically, we have the Harvey Weinstein principle, no jab, no job. That yep. was what applied at Hollywood. Now it applies here to the it's whole everywhere. community.
0: Yep. And here, I might as well mention that we've had the announcement in Western Australia by the McGowan government that the mandates are going to be dropped on the 10th of June, yet I'm already hearing loads of reports that big companies are saying, well, we're not going to drop the mandates. Mm.
2: That's right, and he's actually come out and stated that it's at the discretion of the companies as to whether that happens or not.
0: Well, more criminal action. Mm. That's right. Uh,
1: Our former Prime Minister, um, ScoMo, he told that, Australian it public. The states that had to do it and the state governments want the businesses to do it because the state and federal governments don't want the blame. They want the companies to get the blame because of the laws they've brought in that protect consumers. And If you get the jab and you get sick, you have to sue the company and the lawyers make a lot of money because mm. the insurance company's yeah. not going to pay out.
0: That's exactly right. And then, of course, you have um, situations where – I've just lost my thought. I've completely lost my thought. Sorry, we'll move on. Do you want me to talk about the kids? Please. So,
2: Okay. So when um, they started to uh, roll out, it was, I think, in January, the 5 to Hmm. 11-year-olds, I became like a lioness and I sent no consent forms, like proper legal letters, to the school straight away. And I got them to acknowledge receipt and I said, under no circumstances... uh, my children to have any type of vaccine without my consent there's to be if there's a pop-up van that appears at the school i will be withdrawing my children from your school
0: Mm, and what was the response
2: um they acknowledged it and they said they they wouldn't go against my wishes and how old are your children they're nine and twelve
0: so very young
2: yep and i've educated Mm. them i've actually um because they've had first-hand experience with me, but I've educated them about what it can do to their Mm. little bodies and what it is doing to children's bodies and what is hidden from the public Mm. in terms of um, there's hepatitis, there is myocarditis, there's heart attacks, there's compromised immune systems. There are so many um, issues that are happening. Which
1: is very serious. And I'd like to hear from the children about their experience with masks or is your school a good one that doesn't make children wear masks?
2: no unfortunately they are a school that promotes that and i i have a feeling that that's incentivized mm. from the government but the first thing i did was get an exemption for them for not wearing masks and we proudly don't wear the masks because we know that it's a false a false narrative to wear a mask where you're inhaling your own um, you know your own breath all day, and mm-hmm. it makes you sicker, and it doesn't actually stop the virus from going through the mask anyway. It it's totally a false, doesn't. False promotion.
0: I've heard gotcha. one. Of, I, I, I might have been Dr. Robert Malone, but it was one of these high-profile doctors that's very outspoken on this thing, until inter, internationally. Uh, and the um, the it was described as you know if you took a shotgun with buckshot and you shot it at some scaffolding, sure. A couple of the the, the pieces of lead are going to reflect off, but the vast majority of it's going to go straight through the scaffolding, which is exactly what's happening with these masks yep. that everyone's building. And you know, the other interesting point is is that we're supposedly dealing with this um, this horrible disease that's so infectious that we must run for the hills and, and take experimental shots and. That's what I was going to say before when I lost my thought. Roger Cook himself, uh, I believe it was the 22nd of February last year, uh, stated that it was actually an experiment. It was mm. an experiment that could only occur under an emergency declaration, and we've just had ours extended over here till March next year. Mm. So we, we've dropped the mandates, but we've extended the emergency declaration. Fills me with no confidence whatsoever. That's right. What What are they going to bring in next? Monkeypox. That's, Monkey pox that's or right. What? So look, with that, we're going to bring your children on to have a chat. But do you want to cover off in a little more before we do that, Renee?
2: Uh, yeah. So i I started looking at the children's uh, situation. I was really um, wanted to defend their rights because mm. I think uh, they're getting a lot of decisions made for them, and I I, I just It breaks my heart to see the carnage that's happening after I can see what's happening with the adults and it fills me with dread to see what is happening to children and I wanted to prevent it and make people understand there's a different side to the story. There is no risk with COVID that is so minimal. It's 99.995% recovery rate Mm. with their own immune system their God-given immune system.
0: And how have they responded to this information? Are they they understanding what you're saying? And
2: Well, they could see it for themselves because they both got COVID and right. they recovered in four days. Ah. Right? Because There's nothing they like had, the
0: truth, is That's there? That's right, as yeah. children
1: always do. That's right. Yep. They
2: could see it for themselves. So the things I was explaining to them, they got to experience. So they had the vitamin D, they had the vitamin C, they had the zinc. We got out in the sun, they got out in the pool. Yep. Right, and the salt water helped them, and they recovered. Sure, it wasn't very pleasant, but they recovered by themselves. And it was fe- the ba- the the worst part of it was the fever. And my eldest had a cough for about a week afterwards, but it was not, you know, life threatening. Like the, all the fear mongering that they're trying to promote, it was nothing like that. Mm. It is such an overreaction, and it is so propped up with their narrative.
0: Have they ever asked you a question about... um, One of them's just walking by right now. (laughs) Uh, Something I was starting to talk about before was the the fact that we're wearing these masks to protect us from this extremely potent disease, and yet I've never, ever seen a biohazard bin for disposing. I've never seen one anywhere. Um, I see them in the gutters, in the parks, on the streets uh in the waterways, washed up on the beaches, they're everywhere. The the pollution that's caused by well, this is amazing, but I've never seen a biohazard bin.
2: That's true. I never even thought about it like that. But the pollution is correct.
0: It's amazing, isn't it? And do you know, since we're we're on this little rant, um one of the city councils from this where we're currently south of perth but down this way they literally the way that the 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 question's being posed to them how are you dealing with the 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 pollution that's being caused f- from these and a situation was cited in relation to one of the big parks in the area and the council said we just mow over them
2: <laughs> oh my gosh
0: that's how we do that with says
2: it all doesn't it
0: the fraud of the whole thing is just outstanding and beyond belief. I mean, mm. you can't make this shit up is what everyone <laughs> says these days and it's so true. Okay, so your your girls, um, have they had – what's their experience been with the other co- school kids?
2: So a lot of it depends on the angle of the parents and the families that surround that the children from what I can see. Um also, I guess if they're watching the mainstream media on TV or whatever the case may be, and also the, the, I guess what the school's promoting it is all uh, fear around COVID itself. It's never talking about the other protocols you can follow, about your own health responsibility. It's yeah. not talking about um, the dangers of the masks, the dangers of the vaccines. And I, on numerous occasions, have had uh, been at loggerheads with the principal and sent him information um, that just gets dismissed. Uh, But my girls go to school and they, I'm really proud of them because they don't wear masks and they talk to their friends and they say, these vaccines are dangerous, my mummy was affected um and my youngest actually got in trouble on the second day of school for telling people that they shouldn't get the vaccine her friends she's trying to save their lives basically she goes out and she talks to them and when we go out to places we we put stickers um with codes on them so people can uh, scan in to learn about the dangers from dr robert malone about children being vaccinated and how it should not not be happening at all
0: renee despite all the negativity around this situation what you've just said to me there it feels to me like there's a profoundly positive thing that's come out of this for your children in the sense that they've had a real awakening to the truth in the world and they're standing up for what they believe in and they understand what's going on and I think that's amazing.
2: I'm super proud of them and I tell them to always stand up for what they believe in, even if they're the only one in the classroom and they Good. do it and they do it every day. and I couldn't be more proud.
0: Brilliant. So Renee, I think there's this one other thing we wanted to cover off on here and, and it's your, your, your a little your, your, your faith in what's happened here. Why do you think all of this is going on?
2: Thanks for asking that. Um, this this is interesting because before I had my two doses, I actually prayed that I would be safe because yeah. I, I'm actually Christian, and and I I wanted to be safe, obviously, but I was doing it out of what I thought was a necessity. But I now, in retrospect, truly believe that God is using me as a voice for other people, so I can shed some light on this horrific darkness that is consuming the world and what is really happening behind the scenes that no one talks about in the mainstream that people need to know Mm. and that's i feel my purpose is in that irrespective of what happens in the future to me i i will keep talking about this because it's, it's so important it's literally saving people's lives. Exactly. What, what they're doing, they don't understand the gravity of what the decisions that they're making, and it is Russian roulette, mm. and I can't I can't express that strongly enough.
0: And you're, you're, it sounds like you're saying to me that your faith has gotten much stronger during, through this experience.
2: It's just solidified in the sense that I feel like I can add some value to people, even if they um, choose to go down their own path, so be mm. it, but at least I'm giving them that opportunity to think for themselves.
0: You know what I find really interesting about this is that um, there's this almost like a, a rebirth, I don't want to use the wrong words, but a reawakening in Christianity during this time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting to note that whether people understand this clearly or not, we are in a war here. It's a silent war but we're Mm. in a war here and the thing that's really interesting about it is that, you know, in the Second World War, I believe this came out of America, but there's this old saying, there are no atheists in foxholes, Mm. you know, and it's it's interesting because, I mean, everywhere I go, I mean, I'm talking to so many people about these issues which has sparked this series of interviews that we're going to be pursuing like a dog with a bone um, that... So many people are talking about their faith and they're remembering about these things. And I mean, what also is so interesting about it is, you know, as I get older, I'm starting to see, and not just through this experience, but everything else that's going on in the world right now, there really is very visibly good and evil.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: It's yeah. absolutely a spiritual battle. At the at at the core of this is a spiritual battle, is my true belief. And it's mm-hmm. actually um it's actually played out in the book of Revelations in the Bible. Mm. If you look at that, it's all there. It is. What There's is so happening is, is there. Yeah. For all to see. It's very transparent.
0: It is. It is, Renee. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, should we bring your girls on right now and have a chat to them
2: sure sorry before we do that um, i wanted to mention that the parents with questions thank you is the is the movement that i am a part of and it was started by um, a a man called a very brave man called adam gibson over east Um, the website is uh, parentswithquestions.com.au and he started it because in October last year, because he was had so many concerns and reservations about how uh, reckless the government was being with the rollout of the vaccines for eight to eleven year, year olds in January this year, and he wanted to do something about it. So he started this movement, and he's got uh, a, a lot of people on board. Some are uh, well known people, others are mums and dads like me, um, and it's talking about. Uh, giving people an opportunity to look outside the box of what's being promoted and see what the real dangers are and and get curious and ask questions and find out things for themselves before they make a, an irreversible decision that's what it's about so i'm i'm really proud to be part of that uh, movement and it's i think it's quite popular now they've got about 23 million views but that they, they advocate for kids To save lives for kids, basically.
0: That's amazing. And for the audience listening, I'll put those links in the description below. Um, We'll make sure that we get that information. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back for five minutes and have a quick chat to your girls and find out how this has affected them and what their thoughts and feelings are about it. So uh, for everyone that's listening, please stick with us. We'll be right back. We're back, Renee. We're now here with your two daughters, um, eleven and nine. Is that right? Tw- is that right? Nine and twelve. Great. How are you, girls?
3: Good. Good. Good.
0: Mark's here with us as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, girls, we've just li- we've just been speaking to your mum for the last hour and a half and heard a really amazing story from her about what's happened with the the jab. Can you tell me, and either one of you, just jump in whenever you like, but when this happened, how did that make you feel?
4: Um, I felt like it wasn't really fair. Um, yeah, I didn't think it was good that mum didn't really get a say on what the vaccine was and she didn't get a full picture. Like everyone kind of overlooked her just because the reason she got, like the reason she was in hospital was because of the jab and none of the doctors really wanted to look at her and just overlooked her condition from mm. the vaccine.
0: It's, it's really horrible, isn't it? What about you, Don?
3: I thought it was unfair that she had to choose over her job or the vaccine.
0: And that's the very, very good point. Isn't it terrible that if you're a healthy person and you're told that you have to have this injection to to have your job. And it's almost I mean, imagine being told that you had to have the injection to go to school.
4: That it's would be extremely unfair
0: would be just crazy, wouldn't it? And were, were, you, were you worried about your mum when these things started happening? Yes. Exactly. It's scary, isn't it? Yeah. Mum's in hospital for a few days. You, were you, when, do you remember when this all happened? Were you feeling really confused and you, you didn't know what was going on? And mm-hmm. Yeah? Isn't it horrible? Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about school. What what do the kids at school say?
4: Well, it's kind of like a mixture. Some of the some of the kids don't mind it and think it's good, and then some of the kids are really against it. You either don't mind it or you're really against it. So it's kind of a mixture of both.
0: Is it about fifty fifty? You think?
4: Mm, maybe sixty
0: forty. Okay, so sixty percent are against it.
4: No, sixty percent don't mind it. Right. Forty percent know what's going
0: on That's very interesting statistics there. <laughs> that is and I, I think that that sounds about right to me. I mean I've been speaking to so many people about all these things um, The ones, the 60% that are, think it's all okay have they? do they say nasty things to you because your mum was just telling us that you both, you don't wear the mask at school What Tell me, what's been? What do the kids say to you?
4: Our school is quite, well, nice. So, every time we bring up that topic, we all say that we all have our own opinion. So we never say nasty things, since we all know that we have our own opinion on the vaccine.
0: Right. Just speak into your mic, darling. Um, that's good. What about you?
3: Well. Normally there's like three people that say put your masks on and then like half of the class say I have an exemption so I don't need to wear them and then their face just like drops. They go like...
0: The, you mean the ones who think you should wear the mask? Yeah. And so it sounds like your school's a pretty fair school, right? They're accepting the exemptions?
2: They are, accept- they are accepting the exemptions... Um, so far, which has been uh, reassuring, and it, they have honoured that. So that's that's um, a good sign.
0: It is a good sign. It's not the, the 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 typical story. The way the way I've come to understand it, um, the the typical story is children getting suspensions and going on detention for being caught without their mask on and things like that.
2: Well, what has happened is there were some parents that got the exemptions from Over East um, on a teleconsult, and the school tried to come against that and say it wasn't valid. That oh, yeah. there wasn't any uh, data to back that up. There, w- there was nothing that they could substantiate that with because we challenged that. So it it fell it fell down. But they they do try and encourage it, and they try and encourage the vaccines and follow the um, McGowan's. Um, sort of story Mm. but they have honoured it in the case where there have been exemptions so that's that's good
0: right and girls do you what do you say to the other kids when they when the the, you you end up having the discussion about the jab
4: um usually i say do you know? Do you understand what the effects? Just speaking to you, Mike. Do you understand what the what the vaccine, how it affects you? Yeah. And every time I say that, they say, "Oh, I, not really. It just stops you from getting COVID that bad." <laughs> so that's always the same answer.
0: And isn't it fun? Do you think it? Do you two girls think it's funny that you're getting this injection to stop you from getting COVID, but except you can still get it. Speaking to Mike, sorry, what were you saying? Do you you think it's funny that you have to take the injection to stop you from getting COVID except for the fact that you can still get it? Do you know what I mean? Look, everyone, you can still get COVID even after you've had the experimental jab. Did you know that?
2: Yeah, mummy got it, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what that's what Andrew's saying. Yeah, her so mum had mm. two vaccines
1: and she still got COVID. Yeah, that's right. Because they're trying to confuse you. They just want you to get the jab. They're not interested in uh, what's really going on.
0: They are, mm. and they're trying to get the jab into children who don't have any problems with it. And your mum was telling us before that you both had COVID. What oh. was it like?
4: It wasn't the most pleasant experience, but I've had worse for sure.
0: I was going to say that to your mum as well when we were talking before. I was a very sick kid. I was always, I had ear infections and lots of things. And I remember being just very, very ill, very ill, many, many, many times Often I had asthma and I couldn't breathe, and my mum would be up with me through the night with the the blanket over the, sorry the towel over my head with the steam bath and all that sort of thing, and that was horrible. But sure got through it. So you felt really bad. What was it? What were the symptoms like? Was it when you say it was really unpleasant? What what kind of tell me about it?
4: Well, it pretty much felt the same as a flu. You just had like a bad headache and. Pretty much was like the exact same as any other normal sickness, like F- the flu, flu and colds. And do
0: you know why that is? Mm,
4: not really.
0: Because it is the flu. Yeah, just a type of flu. It's just a type of flu. What about you? Did you? How did it make you feel when you had it?
3: Well, it wasn't that nice, but it was. Bad, but
0: not as bad as the other sicknesses I've had before. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Your kids, right? You're going to get better. That's what kids Mm. do.
1: That's right. Children don't die of flu. I knew that when I was six years old, asking my mother and father about it, and everybody knew that, that only old people die of flu.
0: Children do not. And isn't it funny that... um Parents used to take their, their children to, what was it called? A chicken pox parties. <laughs> pox parties, chicken pox parties. My parents did that, I'm pretty certain. And it was actually so that the kids would get it mm. because everyone knew. Measles parties. Measles mm. parties is the one I was thinking. You just needed to get that thing done and out of the way because once you've done it and you've gotten better from it, you have natural immunity and never, ever, ever have it again. And um, yet this time around, in in this part of history, with all this science and technology that we have... um We live in this Orwellian world of doublethink.
1: That's right. They're trying to turn science against us. They're giving us the false impression that they can cure all diseases and eradicate colds and flu once and for all. No, you can't do that because part of their genome is in our own DNA as well and you can't quarantine people and lock them up and hope to prevent flu or colds that way. It doesn't work.
0: Yeah, and that's something that I found very interesting listening to an interview with the doctor from, in fact, a biologist from America just just yesterday. I think it was, was that generally speaking, with all these things, we actually already have it in our body. Mm. Um, so it, it it it's just it's something that our immune system is designed to to protect, to protect ourselves against. Mm. Yeah. So, girls, what's um what do you think the the future holds? Like, do you think we'll ever get through this? Do you think the schools will stop making you wear masks?
4: It depends on a lot of things. Yeah. Like, it depends on the government, depends on people start to wake up. It D- depends on a lot.
0: And it sounds like you're working really hard to wake people up. Is that right?
4: We're trying.
0: Sounds like you're doing a fantastic job. Mm. And I can tell you're both so smart, you understand what's going on, yeah? Mm. What about you? What do you think?
3: I don't really know, but unless people start changing or that, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, well, that's right. Mm. You're right. That's exactly what it is. We need people to wake up and start realising that they're getting lied to. The government's lying to them.
2: I just wanna add that was a very profound statement you just made in that short sentence, changing is key because mm. until people change, this situation will not change.
0: That's right. Mm. And we'll beep out we'll beep out that word. That's right. <laughs> um, so anything you'd like to say, girls, anything you'd like to tell us um, about anything, what would you is there something you'd like to add? Is there something you've been thinking about that you haven't had the chance to say? Anyone?
4: Um, not really. I think
3: we've covered quite a bit.
0: Yeah, we have. What about you?
3: Um, Just that the vaccines are, like, bad and that they make people really sick. And it's like, he just wants to take over the world, basically.
0: Yeah, h- who's he? McGowan. You mean the McClown? Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> And a lot of horrible people above him who tell him what to do. <laughs> yes.
0: They're horrible. Okay. Um, closing comments, um, Renee? Oh, did you have something you wanted to say?
3: Yeah. Um Go
4: All the people who are wanting us to get, like, the vaccinations and, like, wanting to control us. It reminds me of, like, all those movies, like, the villains, like, wanting to control everyone. That's what, like, this century is reminding me of.
0: It's, you've really, I've thought the same thing. I really have. And you know what's really funny about it? When you watch James Bond movies and things like that, the villain always wants to tell you what they're doing to you. And isn't it funny how our own leaders have been telling us what they're doing to us? I mean, Mark McGowan loves to talk about how compliant everyone is, how he's controlling everyone through their compliance.
2: So, uh, my, my daughter was just talking about um, the movie The Avengers when we were um, out before. Black Widow. Oh, the Black and Widow. The Black Widow, right. yeah. And she was. You tell them.
4: Oh, like. Um Pretty much in Black Widow, there's this evil man who, the more power he gains, the more he can control. So he brainwashes them pretty much and he gains more and more people and he starts to gain power. When he gains power, he can do whatever he wants.
0: You know, it really does feel like that, doesn't it? Um, yeah they will eat bugs and be happy. I don't know if you girls know about that one, but there's this evil man in Europe called Klaus Schwab and he's the head of the World Economic Forum and he openly says that people will own nothing and they'll be happy and they'll eat bugs Mm. and they'll be happy. It's pretty scary stuff, Mark. Too right it
1: is. I mean, uh, Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and the people that support him, like Bill Gates, the uh, rich uh, Microsoft millionaire, and uh, also, uh, uh, I've just forgotten his name at the moment, the person in the immunology in uh, the USA. His uh, just, name just escapes yeah, me at the moment. You, you've lost me as well. That. I just can't think of his name. Anthony Fauci. Oh, Fauci? Anthony Fauci. Yeah. yeah. How Very could nasty.
0: I, how could I forget evil Dr. Fauci who likes mm. to destroy poor little beagles? Well, that's, that's right,
1: right. That business there. And, um, uh,
0: and in fact, he's been involved in many, many nefarious activities for over 20 years. That's right. His work on AIDS is very doubtful
1: and they've been suppressing good scientists like Luc Montaigne in Paris. He only died recently, but his complaints against the COVID were suppressed and they mm. didn't like what he had to say at all. Mm. That's Same
2: because me. there's so many lies and a lot of the graduates from the World Economic Forum are actually placed in positions in Australia.
0: That's right. Oh, yes. Of s- selected, the young leaders. The young then, leaders. That's correct. Mm. It's
2: a five-year program. They're selected, not elected. That
0: is right. Um, Jacinta Ardern from the Prime Minister of New Zealand, young leader. Justin Trudeau, young leader. Here locally, um, is it Kate Cheney? I think so. Ran as an independent. I I think also uh, Hanson
1: Young, the Green Senator, is also uh, part of the World Economic Forum. A young
2: leader. Greg Hunt. Yeah.
0: Yeah, young leaders program, that's right. Really, really nefarious activities. Okay, so with that interesting little topic, I think we are just about done for this evening. Is there anything you'd like to finish off with, Renee?
2: I just want to say um, to anyone out there who's considering getting a booster or considering getting their children jabbed, if you're doing it for freedom or because you think it's the right thing to do, please think about the consequences of a life-changing decision not only just for you and your children but for everyone around you that includes your family your friends your quality of life will be severely affected if something happens to you that like what has happened to me and I just want everyone to think and use my experience to avoid that because I, 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 it breaks my heart to see what is happening in the carnage that is going on and how it's being covered up.
0: And not, not only that. Regardless of what the press try to tell you, heart attack and myocarditis are not extremely normal things for a healthy population to endure.
1: That's right, and especially not children, where they're virtually unheard
0: of. Exactly.
2: Correct. And I think you you are both heroes. You're so brave. Oh, thank and you. And you're, you're working so hard to bring the truth um, out. And I admire you both so much. Thank you for allowing me to have this conversation and, and for my girls to have this interaction with you. We're, we're so honoured.
0: Renee, it's the very least I could do, honestly. Thank you. And I know Mark feels the same. Um, this is something that we desperately need to do And because we're doomed if we don't. And the work that your girls are doing in their schools and you, Renee, is also extremely courageous and I'd like to thank you for that as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, girls. It was fun talking to you. Sorry, did you want to say one last thing? I I see you there looking like you wanted to say one last. I
4: just want to say one quick thing. Yeah. In our school, we're learning about entrepreneurs a- entrepre- entrepreneurs yeah I yeah. can't say it but um what I've learned uh was like they start off as normal people just living a normal life and then sometimes when they gain a bit of power they think they can like they're better than everyone and they can rule over people like that's kind of like what Mark McGowan's doing but some of them they're just they're happy for their position but somewhat more mm. like Mark McGowan he wants more
0: you know what you call those people? Nouveau riche. the new rich. They've become rich and they think that they're very special, but really they're not.
1: That's right. They're addicted to power
0: and ego. Yes. It's a French term, I believe. <laughs> I don't speak French. <laughs> oh, ego riche. <laughs> maybe it is. I've just embarrassed myself, I'm sure. <laughs> With that... Thank you so much everybody and I hope our audience has found this very informative um, and I, I hope you've enjoyed it no matter how shocking it's been because I can tell you that uh, my heart rate got pretty high at a few moments during this evening. Um, Renee, you've told me something new about the batches that really quite honestly outrages me and I'll be following up on that one for sure. Thank you. Thanks to our audience for listening in. Good night.